Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanes. Hello, Montana. Colters and my favorite players in the NFL AFC South edition. Jay Hill, the head coach of the Weber State Wildcats as well. Hi, how are you? It is to tell new one is 1029. ESPN Radio, outstanding to be with you on this very fine Thursday. I hope you are having a wonderful day. Thanks for being with us, letting us be on board with you wherever you are, on your radios, on your TVs, or perhaps on the World Wide Web. If you want to listen to this show on the web, you can do it very easily on the stream. It's at our website, 1029ESPN.com. You listen all the time on the stream. The stream is available thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity all guests join us also via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. Looking forward to having Jay Hill on the show on that phone line. Let's take a look at what we have in the show today. Coulter, day four of our uh, favorite players by NFL franchise going through this four teams at a time, just going division by division. Today, the AFC South, so we will open talking about the Texans, Jaguars, Colts, and Titans, our favorite players of all time from each of those franchises. We also will get into... The free agency situation in the NFL, which still has Jameis Winston and, to my thinking, a little more surprisingly, Cam Newton still available on the free agent market. Will teams wait until after the draft, which is coming up in just about two weeks from now? How's that going to go, and where will those guys fit? We'll get into that. Tommy's got a story for us. Anytime Tommy's got a story, well, we are going to stop everything, and we're going to have him tell us a story, so we look forward to that. Top of the hour. Why are you laughing? Because I don't know if he even knows oh, he's he supposed knows. to have a story. Oh, yeah, he I, just, knows. I just put it in there because he's been just now we spoke. Drooling we spoke about this. We spoke about this. He'll be ready to go. Uh, top of the hour, Jay Hill, head coach of the Weber State Wildcats. We continue in our uh, series of interviewing uh, our conversations with Big Sky Conference football coaches. We're going to try and hit all thirteen head coaches, but also a handful of assistant coaches, particularly from Montana Montana State on the assistant coach side. Justin Green, good enough to join us yesterday, the running backs coach and uh, uh, recruiting coordinator for the Grizzlies. So we certainly appreciate that. And we uh, will uh, have Jay Hill on today who uh, took Weaver State also to the national semifinal uh, just a year ago. So we'll get through that. And then also this is, I'm not looking forward to this. I'm not looking forward to this. We don't have sports going on. And yet Colton is sitting over here trying to get me in trouble by power ranking the top five coaches in the big sky conference i mean my goodness what are you trying to do to me here well i mean i just wanted maybe it's not even necessarily a power ranking as much as just a discussion of if you've if you've learned anything or have anything affirmed i mean we have talked to more than half the coaches in the league now and uh 
Well, we'll we'll you know, we'll, 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 we'll break and we'll see where we're at. So there you go. That is our show outlook. Uh, Coulter, how are you over there, my man? I'm doing pretty well. You doing, doing well? Doing? Did you get it? Did you get any UV rays the last 48 hours? Oh or so? yeah. Did you get oh, outside yeah. a little oh, bit? Yeah. I always try to. I am. Uh, you know, on- I was thinking on the way here. I was thinking since uh, you know we, we go to commercial on SWX, yeah, but we don't go to commercial on the YouTube. Right. And I was thinking that maybe we should just start doing push-ups during the break. Is that you want to know something? My my father, who you know, yep. Chris Tutel, yep. uh, when we were, you know, kids growing up in the Tutel household, commercial breaks, ten push ups, ten sit ups every time watching TV, sitting there just not him, I mean him too, but all of us like the kids get down, let's go. We're going to work. We're not going to sit here and slouch around watching television all day inside the commercial breaks. This is probably why the PTSD that I experience, why I don't watch any live sports, so that I have the opportunity to fast forward through the commercial so I don't need to worry about putting in the cardio during that time. Push-ups in the break, we come back to the radio, and I'm just <sighs> panting like that. You think that's a good idea? I mean, that's I, a bad, you, I think it's bad radio. I hope radio. your fitness levels to the point where you can get 10 or 12 push-ups in – and get your heart rate and breath rate back to normal in a three-minute span. I uh, you're not forty yet. <laughs> just trying to keep you alive. It's reeling it in. Sixty minutes an hour. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll keep that conversation open for the I mean, time. I don't know. I'm gonna do them. So. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see how it works out for you. And if I think that's something I want to join in on, well, then you know maybe I get down there and you know pump some reps out. Coulter. Oh yes, Tommy. I just want to make sure that you and your audience mark the date. Yeah. April 12th, bonus episode of the Tiger King coming out. They've got extra interviews with Carol. Now, you have husband. your whole own segment to talk about this today. This isn't what you want to use it for? Well, no. This is a breaking is top a of the hour news oh, story. Okay, okay, news. Okay, April 12th, new Tiger King episode. Yeah, it's a big deal, man. When did they, I mean, they wrapped shooting on that thing like two years ago. Right, so there's got to be so. a lot that's transpired in the last, you know, since that that ended or whatever. Yeah, is I just wanted to make is? sure that you knew about it because I know how important this is. To it's you. it's much more likely that I will watch this bonus episode of Tiger King than I will do any push-ups during the show today. <laughs> I will say that. That right there is the state of America in one state. You bet. You bet. <laughs> Are you okay, Ryan? You, I've never seen you run so fast coming in here at three fifty nine fifty nine. You know it's interesting, uh, and uh, and thanks for outing me on my tardy here uh, today. Everybody watched that was live streamed on the tube. <laughs> yeah, the issue that I had was uh, when I came in here. You know we have some of these these plastic like hard plastic things down because we've been moving in here and they the didn't chair mess up the carpet carpets right, but they stack the chair mats. So if a chair mat is in carpet, it's got the claws and it's going down. But if a chair mat is on top of another chair mat, ice. It's a nice <laughs> rig. And I came around the corner and I I went spitting around the thing and shot one of these things off of against the wall trying to get yes. traction, which makes me feel good. My explosive power is still there. You know, I still got that thing kicking that thing So you out. should be good for push-ups. I mean, I could do that. It's not about ability. It's just about desire. Very little desire. Uh, another very pushers. revealing and apropos statement yeah, by yeah. Ryan. Coulter's so much more deep than I think you or I are feeling today. Coulter's very reflective, yeah. and that no. makes me usually intrigued by Coulter, but right now just purely concerned. Well, I, think, I think we should just write exactly what Ryan has said down on the board. He'd rather watch Carol Baskin than do push-ups. Oh, absolutely. I also <laughs> and it's, it's not about ability. It's only about desire. That's like Ryan's slogan in life. Put that on the Twitter Put it, put it on the Twitter. Yeah, that's right. Wouldn't this be a levitard poll, right? Oh, by the way, Does, speaking, of Twitter, speaking of Twitter, one to nine ESPN uh, Twitter handle. We yes. got a bunch of responses from We at Wednesday, so we'll pick that second okay. half of the show, and we'll we'll figure out how to get you your desperado wings, since you know you're probably not going to come over here for the time being, at least. You're talking about from yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I just yeah, let winners. I let the Twitter thing play yeah, out because yeah, yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of people listening, and I had right. it on Twitter, and. Right. You know, some people heard it. Also, some people just look at the Twitter, and so I just let it play out until the show. But yeah. we, had, we had like 24 responses, so thanks, everybody. for Well, and most people know what's right. Feed producer Tom. Tommy's going right. to get Tommy. One, was so we'll let you know right off the top. List. Tommy's going to get one set of wings for yes. sure. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. 
Should we talk about this thing that we've been doing here, this series of our favorite players? Can we do that now? Yes, please. We made it far enough in here. Uh, We have, if you uh, haven't been maybe with us off the top of the show the last several days, we've been doing our favorite players by franchise. Uh, And this is, you know, again, just a a completely uh, subjective matter of opinion for Coulter and I, the players that we love. But we've been doing it division by division. And so today we get to the AFC South, you know, across Montana, a lot of people have a lot of other favorite teams and so on and so forth. And the Texans, Jaguars, Colts, and Titans, those are the CAFC South. So, Coulter, go ahead. Let's start with the Houston Texans. Okay. Favorite player in the Houston Texans. And I thought about going back even to the Oilers franchise, which, of course, became Tennessee. I don't really know how to go on. I think I'm going to attach the Oilers to Tennessee, even though they played in Houston. But in sure. any case, the That's Texans – the Texans also obviously a relatively new franchise. Who you got? Who's your favorite Texan? Arian Foster. And usually okay. I don't uh, – usually personality doesn't really matter to me. See, that's the only thing I care about. There's a lot of – some of my favorite athletes of all time are the worst people that have ever played pro sports. <laughs> but that's because I absolutely love a villain. So I guess I shouldn't say I don't care about personality. If you are – a villain. bad person, but you love it and embrace it, like Albert Bell. Yeah. I love you. Oh boy, I bet I know who your favorite Titan is. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, we will see. But Aaron Foster, though, on the opposite side, he is—he's perhaps the most counterculture athlete of any guy that's played in the NFL yeah. in the last ten very, years. Very different. Type he's type very, very philosophical, but yep. not from a traditional standpoint. From a very atypical standpoint, mm-hmm. I think it honestly got him in tr- some trouble, and t- not not necessarily. Just in trouble in the court of public opinion. I guess what I should say is that I think Arian Foster was not as big of a star and was not as in, as big of an endorsement type guy as he maybe could have been right. because of a lot of the things that he talked about. But I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I just thought he had such an interesting story as a guy who went from, I believe, a walk-on at Tennessee to certainly an undrafted player out of Tennessee to then... Uh, for a brief moment in time, one of the best running backs in the league. Oh, without quite not even that brief. I mean, for for a span of a handful of years, a couple right. several years. I mean, by by running back standards, a long time where he was one of the top top guys in the league, no doubt. And and so I'm with you. I like Arian Foster as well. It is it is remarkable to me, sort of as as let's put it like this. There's an incredible breadth of personality in the NFL. Okay, in the in terms of the guys that are there, but also there's such a narrow allowance of what you are supposed to be like in a lot of ways uh in you know in the league and so on and so like being gregarious being excitable being quiet being you know a leader being you know whatever it may, may be demonstrative or whatever along those lines that stuff doesn't matter but you know if you have you know i don't know a set of atypical you know perspectives that you're operating from or you know it's still like you know there's there's not that many dudes, right? A couple of couple of thousand guys, but also, but even more than that, you're talking about just sort of the umbrella of the league. It feels like sort of bumper rails of the bowling alley sometimes in terms of of what guys are supposed to be, supposed to stay, supposed to talk about, and all that kind of thing. Who you got? Uh, my favorite Texan of all time is Andre Johnson. That's good. Uh, Andre Johnson. Uh, the all-time career leader in receiving yards for the Texans, 14,000, over 14,000 yards, uh, 70 touchdowns. And here's what I loved about Andre Johnson. He, I loved both the fact about him or the norm about him and then also when he broke the norm. Andre Johnson is one of the most stoic, kind of quiet, go out yeah, there. Yeah, heard him talk. Non-demonstrative, doesn't do any of that stuff. Now, I love guys who dance. I love guys who do all that. And I love the guys, that, that, the, the Barry Sanders of the world who just yeah. – you know, do the thing, and they just <laughs> just take it another house call. You know, and Andre Johnson met Cortland Finnegan, and then Andre Johnson met Cortland Finnegan, who's going to be my guest for your favorite Titan, because they got in a, into an absolute battle royale, and Johnson lost it. And you know what? He lost it. Good for him, because that was a circumstance. Look, Cortland Finnegan. I don't know why it is. I told you yesterday, I love Josh Norman. Because he he's a button pusher, he's an agitator, but he's really smart about. It. I always felt Cortland Finnegan was that, but too far. And I don't I'm, I I have no good explanation for where that line is to me, or what's the thing where now all of a sudden you move from being from it being gamesmanship into just being a jerk and and being beyond the pale within the, you know, the field of play. But that's what I felt about Cortland Finnegan, who by the way is a very good player in his own right, no question. But 
Roland Finnegan had it coming to him and he got it and he and, and the wrong dude answered that door, by the way. Like of all the wide receivers that you don't want to push to that point, and I'll bet you that Cortland Finnegan thought nothing I can say or do is going to make Andre Johnson lose it because he's just that dude. And guess what? Then the hammer started coming and, you know, that, that I, you know, I'm not sure to advocate for fighting in this, but go ahead. You know what, big boys? Sometimes you got to put somebody in their place, and that's exactly what happened. It was great. Fist fights in the league are so silly, though, when they don't take their helmets off. But they did work. in this one. They did the helmets one, were off, sure. yes. It, that's the other thing that I find fascinating, and not to digress too much, but the next time I see a pro basketball or a pro football player throw a punch and look like he knows what he's doing will be the first time. <laughs> like, these guys never been in a fight, man. they never been in a what? fight. Of it's like you think you think that Andre Johnson's had too many guys to <laughs> well, want to test their luck with it, him. It's like Larry Gristoviak said d- during the Grizz Greats podcast yeah. when he was talking about getting into it with Shaq, and he uh-huh. said, "You know, the only reason I wasn't scared of Shaq is because I knew that if he grabbed me and picked me up, it was over for me." But I was really confident that Shaq had never actually been in a fist fight. Where <laughs> I had been in a fist fight up in Shelby, Montana. Like Coach K is a big guy, but he's not Shaq. That's the whole no, thing. No. Is I mean, that's why. That's why, like, Charles Barkley has been in a fight before because he's a little bit more normal size. Who's fighting Shaq? No, no yeah, one. Absolutely. Never no been one. in a fight no. until he was in the league. No. Like, he could straight T-bone you running a red light, and you'd just be like, oh, no problem. It's, it's an easy good. mistake to make. Sure, yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, all right, Coulter, let's move on. Jacksonville, you want to do the Jags next here? Let's do the Jags. Okay. Uh, my favorite Jaguar, and there's not – there's not that. I mean, there's there there was a great space in time where they had you know they did they go to the Super Bowl Jacksonville I guess they went to, no, the, went AFC to the AFC Championship, Championship game, but um you know they they had some good teams but I found myself going there's not a ton of history here now we could start start once again I mean second worst record of the, of the in the NFL over the last, last decade. decade we can start though with Jordy Tripp and Tyrone Holmes right both both t- good. Tyrone Holmes drafted by the Jags and and obviously Jordy I think probably. Most of his professional playing time was in Jacksonville. I mean, he played he played a fair amount in Green Bay actually while he was there. But anyway, uh, but I along those lines am selecting Paul Puzlesny because I thought mm. that 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 Puzlesny first of all is an outstanding linebacker. He played eleven seasons in the league, seven of those for Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I certainly identify him as a Jaguar, even though he was drafted by the Bills. The Bills, yeah. But he had his it's actually pro- fascinating. It didn't work out for him better with Buffalo because right. he is such a prototype Bill. Hundred. Like he's from the yes. Northeast. He played yes. at Penn State. He's got the blue collar. You know, Everything. he seems like he should be a star in Buffalo. But he he went on and he played. I you know guys like Joe Thomas for for Cleveland and guys like right. Paul Pulse listening who are outstanding. He's a Pro Bowl caliber linebacker and who do it year in and year out and grind year in and year out and do it on largely forgettable and bad teams and yet still put that in and and create that that I don't know if warmth is the word, but they create that relationship with the city. Uh, I think that I think that that's so commendable, and it's true professionalism. You know, it's easy to go out there and play and work when you got when you're winning and everything like that, or when you have the expectation of winning. And in places that are perpetual losers, you go, well, sh- is there is there a culture issue? Well, it's not a culture issue for these guys, you know, for guys like that. And so I really respect Paul Pulisic for that reason, and also just as a player. Uh, uh, Penn State's always been my favorite yeah, FBS team, right. uh, and it, so much of that is because of the linebackers. Paul says he's definitely one of my favorite linebackers. I mean, he's right up there with LeVar Arrington, Navarro Bowman, and Dan Morgan as far as great Penn State linebackers. Dan Connors, excuse me, not Dan Morgan, as far as great Penn State linebackers that I love. So uh, my favorite Jacksonville Jaguar is a guy that I've actually seen, not met, never talked to, but seen in person in Missoula, Montana. Mm. That's Calais Campbell. Mm. Calais Campbell, uh, I think that, first of all, I think that we talked about Warren Sapp sort of creating what is the three-technique defensive tackle yeah. in the Tampa 2 defense yesterday, yeah. origi- originating from his abilities. And we talked so much about J.J. Watt redefining what like a four-eye, strong side, 3-4 defensive end is. Calais Campbell, I think, is... I think he sits alone in players over the last 20 years because he's a six foot eight, 315-pound dude who can play the wide nine as well as he could play the nose. Mm-hmm. He's so diverse. But if you've ever listened to him speak, he's been on TV quite a bit, even though he hasn't retired yet. Or you've heard the stories of Clayus Campbell. Everybody says he is 
unquestionably one of the alpha dog great leaders in the entire mm, NFL. Totally. And then you know his backstory, you realize he's the oldest of nine brothers. Three of his brothers play at the University of Montana, most notably Severin Campbell, who was an absolute stud if he wouldn't have blown out his knee. Uh, he, I think he would have been an all-conference caliber player. Yeah, I can't remember the other two guys' names. They didn't play as much. They were both DBs. It was really funny, though, in their family because the lineage of brothers went from Calais Campbell, who's 6'8", 315. Sev was, I think, number six or seven in line. He's a big dude, about 6'4", 230, but he was a wiry, skinny defensive end. Right. And then the three youngest brothers were all DBs. So it went from the biggest dude to the smallest dude. And it was just like you could stand them in a line and you want, you go, who's oldest? Well, the biggest. Yeah, yeah. The biggest is oldest, the smallest is youngest. And that I was mean, it. That's, but, the, that's the order. Uh, I mean, they're amazing family, man. I used to love hanging out with those guys. Yeah. I thought Sev was an awesome dude. I mean, you you obviously you have a different personality when you grow up with eight brothers and sisters or just eight straight brothers. I mean, you, right. it's just going to make you a different it is. dude. One guy, one guy that I wanted to also mention in this conversation and he hasn't made it, but he's to me, I, I mean, I don't even think it's in question. The best Jag of all time. That's Tony Baselli. Tony Baselli. Oh, that's T- good. Tony Baselli. I thought you were going to say Mark Brunel. Mark I, had Brunel, I had Brunel as the, as the uh, most memorable Jag of all time. I, I think so. I mean, he's, it's he's, Brunel or Fred Taylor, probably. It, right? It's it's. I think it's Brunel. Yeah. I think it is. But Tony Baselli, there, it's just it's just impossible. First of all, to overstate how t- how big he is six seven three twenty five. But that doesn't even quite get you there. All I know is this. He he was the it was like Neo with the bullets in the Matrix where he just puts up his hand and goes no and then the, 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 whoever's <laughs> rushing just complete standstill and we're just gonna stand here till the play's over like it's just not happening. Do you remember you. when they didn't protect him in the expansion draft? He was the number one pick in the expansion right. draft by the Houston Texans and I remember thinking. How do they not protect him? What what is going on? Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I think it's because he was kind of at the latter end it was, of his career, it was, it was and they didn't later. want to pay yep. him what he deserved. That's good. Uh, that's a pretty good one. Okay, Indianapolis Colts. My favorite. I think that's the Colts. As far as we talked about the divisions and uh, you know kind of the allegiances in Montana. Yeah, I think that the Southern divisions, NFC and AFC South. I don't think there's you're ever going to find hardly any fans of any of these teams. Although I do have one buddy who's a Jags fan because he just started liking them when they came out because he said I'm not on the bandwagon. They're brand new. I can right, like them. Right. But uh, I do think that the one team from the two southern divisions that does have some fans in Montana is the Colts. There, there are. I was going to say, I, I know some Colts fans. Be, I mean, it's because yeah. of those early 2000s Peyton yeah, Manning squads. we both know squads. one Titan fan. Shout out, NASCAR Terry. We'll get to well, that. Oh, yeah, later. right. Uh, my favorite Colt of all time is, is Dwight Freeney. Dwight Freeney. So is mine. Is that who you got? That's the sixth one that we've had the same over this little series we've been doing. I mean, here, I, first of all, it... it it should probably be Peyton Manning, and I do love Peyton Manning. Like I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, Peyton Manning's fine. I've never just loved him though. Yeah, here's my, here's why I like Peyton Manning. He's, he's funnier as an actor than he actually is, which is usually the reverse. Usually, guys are are actually funnier just in their personalities, and then when they're acting or whatever, it's not that funny. But I've found him to be like an enjoyable watch. I think I, I like that f- fact that he puts him out there. He certainly has the Manning. How can I say this? I don't know that I have a gracious way to say this, so I'm not gonna. But there's a certain understated uh, 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 personality type to the Manning clan, it seems to me, and he's got some of that. So I get that. But also, I mean, come on, he, 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 it's Peyton Manning. I mean, this this is one of the two or three best quarterbacks ever play the game. So he's he's glorious and I and and, and that's it. But Dwight Freeney, I mean, put the tornado out there, give you the spinsies and see at the quarterback good night. I mean the get off, the speed. He he's really one of the first guys, you know, the Reggie Whites, the Bruce Smiths of the world did it, you know, do it a lot of different ways, but with always with power and strength of some sort. And not to say that Freeney can't outlift the two of us, but he did it with straight get off and speed and moves, you know, technique. Yeah. Uh, in in a lot of ways, broke a ton of ground on that, and 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 also is just a, a, a super fun guy, you know, taking it in from the outside looking in. And so I I, I love Dwight Freeney. It's actually fascinating that no, that there's been hardly any teams that have tried to replicate the Colts model, both from a salary cap standpoint and a personnel standpoint. If you reckon back to those teams and Bill Polian was the GM, yeah. They decided, they made a conscious decision that they were going to pay seven to eight guys and have them be among, if not the highest-paid players at their position. And then they were going to have confidence to draft everybody else, and the whole rest of the roster was in flux. 
Yeah. But they were going to pay Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Edger and James, Dwight Feeney, Robert Mathis, Bob Sanders, and then whoever the eighth guy, the next defender you know, was. I hadn't even, by the way, considered it. Bob Sanders. Oh, that was my bro. My just, brother and I have been playing this game via text, and he right said Bob there. Sanders right away. Yeah, Bob Sanders is. Yeah. But it's interesting that, the, that no one ever replicated first that. Yeah. Because I think it gives you consistency because you know you're going to have one of the best players in the league at several important but also marketable headlining yeah. positions. But then the other thing I think that no one's really copied is they knew they were going to score a bunch of points. They knew they were going to be playing from ahead a lot. So they went with straight-up pass-rush pass defensive yeah. ends. Yeah. And, I mean, I've always said this. There's all sorts of prototypes you can fit in terms of size and, and all that. But sometimes I think that the skill element of the game is is completely underrated, and we've seen it often where guys that they just don't they don't they get overlooked because they're not big. Dwight Freeney's only five eleven. Robert Mathis only five eleven. Yeah. Those guys, but they both had a hundred plus career sacks. Yeah, because sometimes it just doesn't matter. And so I, I guess there's some give and take there certainly. But uh, I I would if I was building an NFL team, I would try to build it like the Colts used to. Maybe not with those specific guys, but I think that's a smart strategy. It's very interesting that very few teams have tried to replicate it. No doubt. All right. Uh, Coulter, we move on to the final team of the AFC South what, now. Time, would you agree with Peyton, Peyton Manning's most memorable Colt? Or oh, would you say Johnny, Johnny United? No. No, no, no. Really? No. As, I, in the time close. in Indianapolis, I think it's definitely – but I think a lot of older people would say that Johnny United is pretty tough to beat during their time in Baltimore. I, the, Johnny United is great. Johnny United is one of the OGs. It's not close. It's Peyton Manning. All right. The Tennessee Titans. Cool. Tennessee so you Titans. take it. Who you got for the Tennessee Titans? I got first? Keith Bullock, the meanest, Ooh, one of the meanest looking dudes ever play in the league. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. No eyebrows just scowled all the time. I mean, the, the, the Titans have some scary. Keith Bullock being one. Eddie George being another. Oh, man. Oh, those and Titans teams, the Jeff, Fisher, the, Jeff, the Jeff Fisher Titans teams of the early 2000s, those teams were nasty, man. Super nasty. I yeah. mean, and they had a great leader in Steve McNair, which yeah. I know we're going to get into that a little bit too. But, um, no, they did. They had a whole bunch of physical tough by the One yard guys. short. One yard short. One yard right? short. Uh, this, is, this is a bit of a homer pick in a way that you'll understand, though I hope you appreciate it anyways. Bruce Matthews is my favorite Titan. Oh, I love time. it. And Bruce Matthews is great in his own right. In fa- I mean, Hall of Famer. In fact, I believe he's the only Hall of Famer, at least was the only Hall of Famer, for the Tennessee Titans. Isn't he the only offensive lineman in the history of the league to play 20 years? He did play 20 years. I don't know if he's the only one, but I mean, it can't <laughs> I mean be how that many guys in the list. league have played 20 years? I mean, Adam Vinatieri. <laughs> Tom um, Brady. So, uh, I, but also... Bruce Matthews being the uncle of Clay. Drew Brees will become the 20th 20-year player this year. So Is that right? 20 guys ever. Okay. Um, you know, the 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 bloodline, right, with the whole Matthews family and everything like that. And and so Bruce Matthews. But Bruce Matthews is probably even the best of the Matthews group. I mean, in yes. terms of the of what he did. I mean, there was some some very high watermarks. Clay, Clay was an all-pro caliber in, uh, in his heyday, but... Bruce Matthews is as good as it gets, and so he he's my favorite. Cortland Finnegan, not on my list, though it probably should have been because, like I said, I still can't decide why some guys that are like that I don't like and some guys that are like that I do, but he made the don't like list. Uh, and, uh, yeah, of course, Steve McNair, right? I mean, Steve McNair, the, the when Tennessee became the Titans – and got their franchise, or the franchise moved, I guess, from Houston, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they were trying to figure out, like, you know, what are they going to be? It still felt like sort of a, a an expansion deal. And Steve McNair came in and was that franchise, right? No question. And so to, to finish that point, <laughs> Bruce Matthews played actually only, only 19, oh, 19. seasons. Fell okay. short. was 13th <clears throat> in league history in games played. The only non-kickers to play more games than Bruce Matthews, George Blanda, who was a kicker for the last couple of years of his career. That's how he made it to his 26th season. But still, he played quarterback for quite a long time. Jerry Rice, Brett Favre, and Daryl Green. Those are the only guys that played more. Tom Brady will pass Bruce Matthews, but he'll have to get to week 14 of this year to even get there okay. in his 21st season. So uh, that's impressive We just uh, hope as the well. season gets to week 14. One point on Steve McNair before we get out. Yeah. I 
if you're looking for some podcasts to listen to, first of all, start with the Grizz Greats, the coaching There team. you go. Second of all, start with all the Big Sky breakdowns you might have missed, maybe some of the ESPN roundtables. Third, <laughs> you can get into Tutel Nuanas. But after you get through all that, fourth, Fall of a Titan, the Sports Illustrated mm. podcast about Steve McNair. If you like true crime or mystery or scandal, it's for you. If you like the rise and fall of athletes, it's for you. But I just I really think that it's one of the craziest stories that's ever happened in pro sports, and we didn't really ever even acknowledge that it happened. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I think there's a lot of maybe taboo elements that we can't really talk about, but I just can't imagine. I mean, Steve McNair was an all-pro quarterback. Right. I mean, he yeah. he was an MVP one year. <laughs> yeah. I, I just imagine any other quarterback in the league, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or Drew Brees, if these guys got murdered. Right. We it, it was like a open and shut case, and this whole podcast is kind of about why that was too. Mm. And it's so crazy mm. that this happened. But I mean, the guy was only thirty six years old. It's an unbelievably tragic story. But I just can't imagine if Drew Brees just woke up dead in an apartment one day, and his mistress, who wasn't his wife, had killed him. What? And right. it's amazing that it, we it just happened in the summer, and we just kind of was like, wow, we were stunned, and then it was just gone, and no one really talked about Steve McNair yeah. again. It's a totally bizarre story. I can't believe that it doesn't get more remembrance because it was literally one of the craziest things that's happened in the league in the last 25 years. Well, in, in terms of attention keeping on a podcast level, it certainly is the story to do that for you uh, if you want to. All right. Well, this was fun, man. This is this is cool. We uh, have enjoyed doing. We've now done the first four divisions, and we're kind of we're trying to work our way west a little bit. If you're trying to think about you know do the geography thing on this, so we will get into the AFC and NFC North. On the next couple of uh, shows, we'll do that. That'll be that will be fun. That might have to last a couple of segments, Coulter, when we get into the North, the NFC North, for crying out loud. Hey, Carl Tyler Chevrolet, discover ownership, peace of mind with Carl Tyler's lifetime powertrain warranty. Where's Jameis going to go? Where's Cam Newton going to go? We will discuss that next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. ESPN Radio. Where will these quarterbacks land, or will they land at all? An open question. Just to clarify, Coulter, because you, you you did clarify this for us on the American Legion deal. The national and regional tournaments have been canceled, but as of right now, the Montana State American Legion, which includes uh, Alberta, uh-huh. have not been canceled. Right. So the Commission uh, of the American Legion of Baseball did not give directives for individual states. So that means that uh, Montana and Alberta American Legion Baseball still want to play a conference schedule. Uh, Bozeman Bucks head coach Garrett Schultz was quoted today at 406mtsports.com saying Montana's trying to hold out as long as we can and hope the situation gets better. So this is all sort of in flux. As you heard there in the news, the MHSA, they're not going to fully cancel it unless the teachers and people involved in the schools don't go back to work until after May 4th. If that's the case, then that's – so I guess – what the MHSA decided this morning is that now we have a definitive point of no return, and that's May 4th. If people aren't back working in schools or kids aren't back attending schools or a, co- a combination or one of the two of those things, then it's all going to be canceled. Yeah, That still doesn't mean American Legion Baseball will be canceled because right. it's not involved with the school. But if we have an extension for a lot of this stuff and say spring sports does come back, then that does conflict with American Legion Baseball. But we could still, I guess the good news is that Montana has, as they say, flattened the curve more quickly than any other state. And the administrators in all the high school spring sports are still hanging on. Yeah. We might get a track meet or two. We might get some baseball. 
I mean, if the only Let's baseball see. in Montana, or if the only sport in Montana was American League of Baseball, there's going to be a lot of people going to Missoula Mavericks games, Bozeman Bucks games, for sure. There already is, but I mean, I think there would be a lot of people going to that. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, it's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, at Gus Tutel on Twitter, at 1029 ESPN, and Ask Island Sports MT for all the best in your Big Sky Conference and, uh, well, general sports information uh, there at Skyline Sports MT on the Twitter handle. Coulter, Jameis Winston. Cam Newton, jobless at this point in time. I have a number of questions for you on this. Where should they go? Why haven't they gone anywhere yet? But here's my first question. Which of these two do you think is going to find a home first? Man, that's an interesting question. I think Jameis Winston because he is two things, younger and less injured. I mean, yeah, those are both true. And I think it's going to be Cam Newton because I think Cam Newton's a better quarterback. And I am surprised. Cam Newton has been a better quarterback, but I'm not sure. It'll be interesting to see. How does this happen? I don't understand how this happens. The last time that Cam Newton played football, he was really good. Then he got and and, 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 and only, only three years ago, Cam Newton was the MVP That's of right. the league. But now all of a sudden it's like, well, because you didn't play last year. I mean, I, I usually look at that as a net positive. I think it's because of the, it's the neck injury, right? Is it the net? I mean, I thought it's the foot. Oh, it's a foot thing that he has? Yeah. Okay. For whatever reason, it's obviously something to do with physical because Camp Newton's still only 30. That's right. Yeah. And I get that he has taken a lot more wear and tear than almost any other quarterback because there's really been no quarterback that's run straight up quarterback power while in the NFL. But in a different system, I like the Carolina, I mean, Carolina used him to his maximum capabilities, but also wore him out. Yeah, that's it's true. I don't think anybody else would do that, but I think there that's where it's, uh, then it becomes a give and take too, because I think teams then think, well, if Cam Newton isn't running 12 to 15 zone read option plays every game, then how effective is he in the RPO? And if he, if he's, I mean, he he's all he's never passed for more than sixty percent in a season. He's been in yeah. the high fifties most of his good years, low fifties most of his bad years. How effective can he be if he doesn't have those elements? I'm not sure, but I think he has a obviously, I mean, big league talent. I think both these guys do. Yeah, I mean, the the talent is there. The question that they express themselves differently, uh, the talent expresses itself differently in both these guys, no no doubt. But going back to Cam, I do I do give credence to this when Cam. You know, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, well, we think he's going to be back in a couple weeks. Okay, well, we're not really going to put a timetable on it. Okay, well, it could be, could be, you know, more than a month. All right, well, we're going to shoot for after the bye week. And then the next thing you know, they've shut him down for the whole year. And these like, well, it's just not getting better, just not getting better. That certainly might still be the issue of all this. But it seems to me if he is physically well that there's going to be a team. Let me ask you this. For either of these guys, who do you think – are potential teams that should be going after them. I know I'm in the extreme minority on this, but I think Jameis Winston is still uh, absolutely has the potential to be a game-changing quarterback. I know he's the first 30-30 guy ever. I know he threw 30 picks last year. I totally get it. But it's like I've argued with a lot of different guys. There's only a few guys out there, period, that can throw 30 picks. And what I mean by that, that will continue to take those sorts of chances. Is it a rational confidence? Yes. Can that be a good thing? Yes. Can it be a bad thing? Absolutely. Bruce Aaron is one of the great quarterbacks coaches that the, the league has seen in the last 25 years. Right. He couldn't crack the code with Jameis Winston. That said, he's still a really young guy. And when you talk about arm talent... He has one of the greatest arms on the planet. He is one of the best throwers of the football in the world. He's got to figure out how to throw with the right team, though. I want to know how much of this, though. I really think that a lot of times guys that grow up in disadvantaged backgrounds that didn't didn't go to the eye doctor when they were growing up, they don't know that they're blind. And then all of a sudden they get their eyes checked and they figure out that they're blind. LeBron had LASIK eye surgery in 2008. What happened after that? He won four out of five MVPs. James Winston got just, his eyes fixed. I know. I just don't understand this because he was sitting there squinting for all the world to see at Florida State looking at totally. the sidelines. Like, if this was that big a deal, this would have been addressed before well, this, now. This is That's that, what I'm saying. No, well, maybe not, though. Yes. That's what I'm saying, though. You know, These guys, I think they're just, they don't know. 
But but here's and the th- here's they the thing. Certainly dude. knew e- this coming out of even if out you of the e- draft. even if you have the most minor correction of vision. So contacts are I wear contacts, right? Yeah. Your prescription is based on increments of of point uh, two five. So even if you have a prescription where you have a point two five or a point five correction, half of one prescription strength. Yeah. That will make a gigantic difference. If you had basically if you, if you have a point five, that means you have like twenty sixty vision. Right. They and, say he had something like a, a 2.5, so that means that he was really blind. People that are like, most people that are just wearing glasses are like 2.5 to 3.5. He's blind. All, all, all I'm saying is that at Forest State, we're sitting there watching this kid along with every NFL GM and everything doing, you know, shutting his eyes, trying to see the signs on the thing. And there is no way, no way that he... First of all, gets drafted, but Moron goes for five years with a franchise where they aren't going, well, let's see what you can see and what you can't see. I just can't fathom that that could have happened. And now all of a sudden, now it's gotten to a point where he's going to be able to see and now it's going to you know, cut his, his interceptions precipitously. I just don't see that. Well, I guess we'll never know until we know, and we will get a chance to know once football comes back. We will get a chance The other thing know. is I think that just, Bruce Arians aside – I think that Tampa Bay was just a it was just a mediocre environment for Jameis Winston, and you just wonder, you know, the fact that he played college football in Florida. I mean, how many enablers are around him? I mean, I guess I, the fresh start to me. I still think J- I'll say it like this: I would take Jameis Winston seven days a week on the Minnesota Vikings over Kirk Cousins, <laughs> straight up. Okay. Now here's here's the other question because we haven't said any teams. Here's some teams that I think could use a quarterback and would would be warranted in at least checking in on all these. Let's start with the obvious place, the New England Patriots, New England Patriots right? Yeah. Okay, so what a deal if Jameis Winston, the former Buck quarterback, where Tom Brady is now gone, ends up in Foxborough. Okay, what an interesting thing. And by the way, what about Cam Newton? I just don't know that they're going to go. Who did, they, who did they sign up over there in New England now to come back for the third time or whatever it is? I forget. I, I don't forget. know. I, I thought they were going with Stidham, Jarrett Stidham from. Well, and they have Auburn. Stidham as well, but they also signed a, a veteran guy who's been a uh, you know around the league guy who I love for a minute because he was on the Browns. Um, they, Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. There you go. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers also. I mean, I don't. I'm not saying that either. You know, either these guys are fit wherever, but wh- what are they going to do? You know, I I don't know. Can they address it in the draft? Are they bad enough to get the quarterback that they want in the draft? AKA, do they pick high enough? I don't think they do. I mean, the the you know Washington, Miami, Cincinnati—they're all picking ahead of of the Chargers. And then so so there's a couple of places that are looking certainly for a place. And then what about Jacksonville? I mean, I know it's great you got Gardner Minshew and he's doing the whole you know jean short and mustache deal and i love i love gardner Minshew, and he was really like he was quite a productive player actually he ultimately he straight up beat out nick Foles. so i i i tip my cap to him but are you like going okay we're set now with with gardner Minshew? i don't know you know would what you want to bring somebody about, in and what about raider the raiders <laughs> right i mean I, again, I'm higher on Derek Carr than I know that most people are. I'm like you with Jameis, for me with Derek Carr. Uh, but but clearly, like where there's smoke, there's fire. And Gruden is going to work with, with you know whoever is there, but he's got the power and the decision-making. But it's, it's a delicate dance to me. I don't know why Bill Belichick has been able to be so good at this and other coaches haven't been. But to be the GM and the personnel decision maker and also the coach is 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 a hard thing to do. And until you're ready to pull the trigger, like you have to you you have to be sort of all in at least to his face to Derek Carr and be like, You're my guy, you're my guy, you're my guy, until he's not your guy. And unless you're ready to move on immediately, like you, you don't want to find yourself here's what you don't want to do. Go, you know, we're going to see about getting a free agent quarterback, not be able to get a free agent quarterback, and then you're here with Derek Carr, and you have this, you know, this rift or whatever it is. I think that's what you want to avoid. How about the Redskins? I think you're going to draft one. Yeah, well, they, actually, they have what the third pick? They have the second pick. They, actually, I mean, they're saying that they're going to take Chase Young, which would also make a lot of sense because they, they did Chase take Dwayne Haskins, right. you know, in fifteenth overall, I think last year. Right, but I still think that either of these guys would be an upgrade, and also they could teach. Dwayne Haskins. Here's what I here's my thought. 
I get that quarterback the quarterback position. It's it's easier to scrutinize guys you have a bigger body to work on. We have a bigger body to work on Cam Newton or and Jameis Winston more than we do, obviously, of Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, or Justin yeah. Herbert. Yeah, I would take Cam Newton and and Jameis Winston. If the scenario is to win now, this year, right now, or even win this next three years, I would take those two guys over any of the guys coming out. Not not the next three years. Next three years? <sighs> Definitely this year. I, I don't know why Cam year. Newton's getting treated like he's being treated. I, I think Cam I Newton with a fresh start can go. I mean... I, 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 get, I get that it, there's, there is ups and downs that's going to come with Cam Newton. He's going to wear his fancy different hat to every single press conference. He's going to be emotional. He's going to be a prima donna sometimes. But when he gets it rolling, like people forget, man, that Carolina team was one of the best teams of the decade. If they F- wouldn't 15 have lost, and 1, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if they wouldn't have lost in the Super Bowl, we would remember them as one of the best teams of the 21st century. I mean, that team was they wailed on people they were so good and he was the mvp of the league and he's only a couple years removed from that and i I just think it's going to take a buy-in on a team's part but i mean for for example if he ended up with the new england patriots i think that would be lights out yeah i think i think that belichick could get to him and i think they could build a system around him Jameis, man i mean i think Jameis could thrive in a lot of different places not the least of which people might say hey Jameis has his off the field stuff he's immature he's done all this these things Vegas is the worst case scenario for him. It might be, but also John Gruden might be the best case scenario yeah, for him. Because who true. could get to Jameis Winston and empower him more than John Gruden? Stutel Nuwana's 1029 ESPN Radio. Uh, we I want to talk to you more about this in relation to the quarterbacks that are going to be drafted and where are we at. So we may circle back to that a little later in the show. But if Tommy's got a story to tell, then we're going to listen to that story right after this. Carl Tyler Chevrolet, locally owned, community driven. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping businesses connected to customers and communities. During this time, we want to help share our expertise with your business. From advising on remote workforce systems to assessing internet connections, we're here to help deploy the solution you need to continue supporting your customers. How can we help your business? Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Eric, I got a great falsetto. Oh boy, you guys will never. Here's hear the it. thing: that what was that falsetto, or is he just got that in the bag? Hard to know. Stutel Nuwana's 1029 ESPN Radio. Did you do you remember the first time Mariah Carey performed live on national TV? Well, no, I don't. <laughs> never will forget it. <laughs> Really? Even alive? Yeah, that, no, that's the point. What kind of question is exactly. that? Exactly. I don't know. A question for people that maybe follow the history of the country or maybe, and through the lens of music. No, no. You're Mariah Carey, before Mariah Carey blew up into this international pop sensation in the mid-90s, she had two albums before that. And she was, do you guys remember Shania Twain? Yes. Okay, so remember Shania Twain? Remember Shania Okay, but do you remember Shania Twain? Do you remember George Washington? Do you remember? Okay, but Shania Twain was married to Mutt Lang, a great music producer, right? And the whole narrative of Shania Twain's first three years of her career was that she couldn't sing, that it was all fake, that she was just this beautiful woman that was lip syncing. Well, that was the second time that that narrative had existed in the 90s. Mariah Carey was also married to a music producer, and her first two studio albums, she has this unbelievable range, and she's singing all these covers, and she's also singing all of her own songs, and everybody's loving it. But she never performed live for like the first four years of her career. Okay. So then when she was on the MTV Music Video Awards, everybody's like, "Can she real? Does she really have an eight, an octave, eight octave yeah, range? Yeah. Can she really do the dancing up high, like where she like does the almost whistling with her How voice? Does, what is it sound like? And then she straight did it on national TV, and it was like this watershed moment. I don't know. I thought okay. maybe you guys were paying attention to pop culture once upon a time. You tried to spin this as if you're some intellectual because you no. know this about. 
about whoever it is you're talking about, but it's, you're just you're just dead <laughs> making a dork of yourself. Well, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, now I disagree with that, Tommy. I'm interested in this. What you're saying, I just didn't know that her first performance was like a memorable one in the way that you're talking about right. because of the the things leading up to it. I didn't know it. There's I a, have seen her. I've seen her Christmas live. Right. I mean, let's go to the the, the what is it the the, so, the whole holy night. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. crying out loud. How are you going to get me with the whole holy, whole every, holy night every, every time? Every mother in America is crying. Uh, every, I'm crying. Are you kidding me? I just weep. Did I tell you what happened during <laughs> Oh Holy Night at the Christmas Eve service this last December? <laughs> no, tell me. Tommy, you might have to push your story oh, please back. Please tell me. Please tell this. Okay, so we got we were at the Christmas Eve service, right? You go in there and you, and you, you light the candles and you're singing and it's great and everything. And, uh, and Oh Holy Night is the... Uh, the kind of the the I don't know if it's the kicker, but it's certainly one of the the finishing songs, you sure. know. And the folks are up there singing, and and they you know you have the big build and the big build, and then there's the like there's there's a certain uh, moment in there where they pause, mm-hmm. like right as they gather all the wind to go and hit up mm-hmm. that top mm-hmm. octave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we're sitting there now. Kai, two years old, my son, youngest kiddo is right in the throes of potty training, okay? So he's got a diaper on, but also, like, if he's got to go to the bathroom, we're trying to, like, really help him along. And he will go crazy if you don't take him because he really wants to be a big boy, you know? Right there, not at that moment, but in the in the middle of this song, he's got to go to the bathroom. So, go. Dad, so, okay, so I take him, not really considering everything, I put him on my shoulders and as we're walking out of the sanctuary, the Oh Holy Night pause happens. Whammo! Right his head into the crossbar <laughs> of the door, metal frame echoing throughout the whole place. And then the, the song continues. So we really set it off with my son's dome and then subsequent bawling as we stumble out into the foyer and me with him on my shoulders. So, you know, my apologies to everybody who was in attendance on the, the, the 24th of December or whatever, whether it was actually the Christmas oh, Eve service there. That was, a, that was not my best moment as a dad. What's so funny and brilliant and beautiful about you, Ryan, is that, like, most parents... Either they drop their kid on their head or they whack their kid's head on something. They're not going to go telling anybody. You go on to the radio and say, yeah, yep, well, slam my kid's head listen, to a door frame. I got nothing to hide, okay? <laughs> like, I just assume I'm starting at zero, so what do I care? I mean, people got to already assume, if they listen to this show, that, that you know, I'm not exactly a helicopter parent or whatever. And look, you know, he's good for it. He's a durable young lad, I'd like to think. You know, he's, he's. let me tell you something. He's hurt himself a lot more than I've ever hurt him, but that was one particular moment where I was the responsible party. Tommy, we're up against it. Can we do your story here in a little while? Why were you so late into this radio show today? We'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. Jay Hill, head coach of the Weber State Wildcats, our continuing series of Big Sky Conference football coaches with Weber State's Jay Hill next. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 